Welcome to the Maternity and Midwifery Hour, brought to you once a week by the Maternity and Midwifery Forum. This podcast is supported by Matflix, video streaming from maternity experts. All your CPD needs made easy. If you need to get your revalidation done or have a student project to complete, Matflix is the one-stop shop. And good evening and welcome to everybody and, and welcome to now I've got this as the 11th episode but because we weren't completely the same last week this counts as the 10th episode of the maternity and midwifery hour and I'm really pleased to be here with you my name's Sue MacDonald I'm the curator of the maternity and midwifery festivals and these hours and as many of you will know these sessions were really designed in response to the COVID um, issue to really make sure that midwives, student midwives, people who wanted to become student midwives and other people providing care in maternity had access to some sort of continuing professional development. And these are therefore accessible now, tonight and in the future uh, via Matflix. And I want to say a big thank you to Matflix, um, video streaming from the maternity experts, and they provide CPD and revalidation resources. So those those of you who do your revalidation, this is the place to go for your resources. Fantastic. Now, tonight I'm joined by two fantastic speakers. I'm thinking an hour just isn't enough for them, for all, any of us actually. And um, we have Lorna Davis and Ashley Artuza Barrel. And we're going to be talking about plastic and waste in maternity and what midwives can do and student midwives and anyone else in maternity services. But as we always do, I always put my speakers on a little spot and ask them for a little moment of the week. They can have a moment of the autumn if they would like to do so. But I'll start with Lorna and ask okay. her if he has a moment of the week. I've got two actually, but I guess I can only <gasps> have one, can't I? <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, and I'll make it relevant to what I'm going to talk about okay. because I'm, I'm based in New Zealand and our lovely um, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern yesterday made the announcement that New Zealand is in climate emergency, action must be taken and starting off with the government themselves aiming for carbon neutral by 2025. So it's an incredible step forward and we've been waiting for this. So very exciting. Yeah. I think that's a massive movement for the whole country and actually mm. for the planet, isn't it? Fantastic. Mm. Thank mm. you. How about Ashley? Can you compete with that one? Yeah, so um, as I mentioned to you ladies earlier, so this week is a significant week for me. I'm actually entering my third trimester of my second pregnancy. So <laughs> here we go again. Uh, so really exciting. And I think that what we're going to talk about tonight is just going to be, you know, again, it's top of mind for me again, going into my second pregnancy. It's about the future generation. So, yeah. <laughs> fantastic. So those are two beautiful moments. So thank you very much to you both for that I'm going to sort of move just swiftly just to go just in case people didn't know these are strange times um, and those of you in, in the UK have we've just completed four weeks in lockdown but most of the country moving to either to level or two or three so having to still take particular cautions so 
that's still going on. Intensive and entire dependency care units are still busy. And we'll send out big love, thanks and gratitude to all of our NHS staff, all of those people who are giving care and looking after our loved ones and their families and friends. It's a hard time for those people. And we can't forget, I know in, in the spring, everyone was very aware of, of the NHS and the staff and how marvellous they were. And I just don't want us to forget, they're still marvellous, if not more so now. And a big hug, a virtual hug, and thanks to those who are still providing care in maternity, because the maternity team is also, they're also heroes, because you can't cancel pregnancy, as Ashley will testify. It carries on, yeah. <laughs> and the care and love still needs to be given. So thank you to them as well. And we're sending some healing thoughts to people who are suffering from COVID, or their families, or their friends or from long COVID, which we'll be talking about next week, because it's, it is a hard time. And if you're, if you're experiencing it, it feels even worse. So a big thank you also to all our key workers, everyone who's keeping everything going. They mustn't be forgotten either. A little bit, I feel like the newsreader now, but we've got the news this week has been really good. It's the, the Pfizer vaccine has now been approved and is being rolled out to start next week. I think it's going to start arriving next week to, and being given to care homes, uh, people in care homes, care home staff and NHS staff. I mean, obviously, it's going to take some weeks, but it's really positive to know that this is happening. What else is happening? Uh, the normal birth conference in India is, is happening. If you didn't know about this, midwives and student midwives, either follow on Twitter or try and get online to, to hear who's speaking. There's some fantastic speakers, some really good issues being discussed, and it's going on until, I think, Friday morning. The other thing that's been happening is there was a launch today, the Lancet Impact of Midwives, a new study, and it was a discussion, and there's a link on the resources page that will come up to everyone online, um, because the state of the world's midwifery 2021 report will be coming out fairly soon and guess what it says midwives can make substantial differences to maternal and perinatal health just as a surprise okay another thing that's going on there's 3rd of december is the un international day of persons with disabilities and there's a kind of purple light up led by purple space just to highlight the contribution of disabled employees around the world and i think that's fantastic so look out for the purple lights um, now the duchess of cambridge has launched the early years work highlighting the five big insights there's a report that's available again the resources is on um, or the link is on your resource page accessible after this um, and this actually coincided with the Scottish RCM calling for better support and resources for disadvantaged women and families. So important to think about these women and their families. We did hear this week that um, the Duchess have sadly lost a baby in July. And, and I think that really raised the issue of, of losing babies at whatever gestation. So we'll have a thought for those mums who are in that situation very sad and very difficult to cope with. There's been some discussion about the needs of fathers as well, because sometimes they can be forgotten, especially with, I think, with miscarriages. And so let's think about that. Also, last thing, December is Human Rights Month. 
very important to all of us. Okay, so che check out the resources page for updated resources and references, especially for tonight's session, because that'll be really useful to you. Um, and tonight, I'm now going to, to introduce our topic for this. And I know I've been speaking very quickly because I want to give as much time as possible to Lorna and Ashley. Um, and we're going to have this discussion on plastic and waste in maternity and what midwives can do. This, I, I think, is partly stimula stimulated by the COVID effect. You know, getting used to seeing PPE being used, getting used to gloves and masks, um, even in the home setting. And I, I, I think I said at the festival last week, I've got used to seeing when I'm running in the morning. That sounds very healthy. Um, seeing... <laughs> people who've thrown gloves and masks and all sorts on, on the roadway and feeling very upset because I know, even if I'm picking things up, there's a whole load of stuff that's going to end up in our oceans and is going to accept it, in, it, affect our wildlife and all of us. So we are also have global warming and we have the carbon footprints and it's an issue for all of us. And what can we as midwives do? And does it really matter? I'm posing that question. I know it's going to be answered beautifully this, this evening because I'm going to introduce now Ashley Artusa Barrel. She's the founder and campaigner of My Son's Planet, which is a fantastic website. Again, that's on the list of resources. She describes herself as an international mama and she includes her papa with this, with roots in England, Scotland, <laughs> Italy, Spain and Argentina. And she says it was the birth of her son that really ignited her passion and interest in addressing sustainability and becoming eco conscious and sharing this knowledge. And she set up the, the, the um, charity to do this. And she's been busy sharing information and influence to reduce our carbon footprints. So I'm really delighted Ashley's with us this evening. So welcome, Ashley. The screen is now yours. <laughs> Wonderful. Yours. Thank you very much, Sue, for the introduction. <laughs> Wonderful. I'm just going to um, bring up my slides. Uh, hopefully you guys can all see them. Okay, so yes, thank you for the wonderful introduction. So um, exactly as you said, I was really inspired by, um, you know, from the birth of my son to kind of reconnect with my passion for uh, the environment. And um, since there, it has kind of broadened out to the, the theme of sustainability, which I'll talk you through um, more detail in a moment. Um, but I've got involved with things like um, our local council's cloth nappy uh, kit hire scheme. Uh, and I'll talk to you a bit about that as well. Um, and my background is actually in, uh, ironically, marketing and partnerships. So um, earlier this year, I did um, a course with the University of Cambridge's uh, Sustainability uh, Institute, uh, which I highly recommend. Um, and I'm really looking for ways that I can continue to have an impact impact um, on the planet, both at home, at professionals today. So I'm really honored to be a part of this. So as some of you should know, we, we set up a bit of a survey uh, having a, a range of different questions. And I'm going to cover some of the highlights um, today. Uh, as well as some other areas. So the first one I wanted to talk about, which was uh, a question that I kind of reflected back on, was what does sustainability mean to you? Um, 
and it was really exciting to see all the different answers that came in. So I'm just going to bring onto screen now if you can see them. Um, all the different words that came up from the answers uh, that we were given. So it's, you know, protection, it's about natural resources. There was a lot about uh, different kind of tactics coming through. So composting, recycling um, and breastfeeding was on there as well, which again, in my mind now it's it's top of mind um but it really started to make me think as well um in different areas so and you can see air travel and um, i think we've got less meat on there as well so what this all comes down to primarily is a real focus on the environment which is exactly where i started my sustainability journey i was very much focused on the environment but what i wanted to kind of just start with was actually looking at um, the topic of sustainability and what else could be included in it. Um, so I just wanted to bring onto screen um, the United Nations Sustainability Development Goals. Um, so hopefully you can see them more clearly, um, but you can definitely see that there's a presence of environment in here uh, with some of their goals, but there's also social matters that come into play. Um, and the idea behind creating these goals in these different areas is that this combination together is what will help create a sustainable world and a sustainable planet. So the social side of sustainability is really just as important as the environmental aspect. So it's the no poverty, it's the equality, it's the gender equality and reducing inequality in the world that will really help us all come together and have a sustainable planet to live on as well as the environmental aspect. Um, so, with that aside, uh, uh, when we go through the rest of the slides, keep that in mind. Um, one of the big areas that came out that people said from the survey that they would like to learn a bit more about um, was the fashion industry. So I was going to start kind of with the wardrobe and look at sustainable choices there. Um, and then we'll move on to some other areas. Um, I wanted to show you all um, this advert, which came out a couple of years ago from the brand Patagonia. Um, so they are very sustainability focused um, and it literally was the headline, don't buy this jacket. Uh, they've got a repairs um, policy as well set up in their, in their company, but it's not often that you see, again, from a marketer's point of view, people taking, the brands taking this approach. Mm. Um, and obviously, Fast fashion is very much top of mind for a lot of people at the moment and finding ways around, uh, around um, you know, just relying on that. A huge amount of waste is generated from fast fashion. We've got some stats here for you guys to have a look at. Uh, but the other thing I've recently discovered is actually the returns um, side of things. Um, you know, I used to buy a whole bunch of stuff from ASOS and then just send it back, anything I didn't need. Um, but, you know, with a lot of the businesses, they are still not managing that waste side um, in the most efficient way possible. So sadly, some of those items that you return might still end up going to landfill because the companies just cannot uh, process them in the most efficient way. Um, so what can you do? Um, so this kind of buyer's hierarchy on the left is a great visual to have top of mind when you're thinking about purchasing something. Um, you know, it is, you know, obviously there is the level of convenience that you might need something very, very quickly, but wherever possible, it's great to ha have this sense check of, you know, what do I already have? What could I borrow? What could I swap? Could I buy something secondhand or pre-loved? Could I make it? 
And if not, then right, okay, I'll buy it. Um, there's some great examples of new types of businesses here as well um, that I've included if you're not familiar with some of them. Um, the likes of Her Collective and uh, Bundle and Joy um, are actually rental models. So you can rent your clothes and then return them when you're done. So in terms of that kind of seasonal aspect of fashion, that's really great. And the Bundle and Joy one actually is a maternity rental. Uh, because again, in the maternity space, you think about how long women actually wear some of these clothes for, um, it's not particularly huge amount of time. Um, and, you know, often afterwards, they just won't go back to wearing them. Um, and then Vinted, Depop and Pure Bundle, these are all um, areas and marketplace where you can buy pre-loved clothes. Um, Pure Bundle is actually for children. And if you go onto um, my Instagram account, there's a, or you can contact me, there's a 15% uh, discount there as well. Um, and I've included some other brands for you to have a look at here. Lost Stock is really interesting as well. Um, there was a lot in the news earlier on this year about uh, companies that didn't uh, pay for clothes that had been produced from factories from Bangladesh and, and so forth. Um, and this company bought that stock and were successfully delivering it to consumers that still wanted to buy it. So um, some really fantastic brands here to have a look at. Um, and then I've just kind of put a few headlines here um, in terms of different things to consider when you're wanting to buy from, from shops. So what kind of model is it um, are you buying from? Is it a, a rental model? Is it pre-loved? What kind of materials are used in the fabrics you could look at? Where's it being shipped from? Um, I went onto a website recently and bought something that when it turned up, I found it had been all the way from China. So um, again, it's just, you know, trying to look at buying local whenever we can. Um, workers, how are the workers treated? Um, the life cycle of the, the clothes as well. What happens when they're finished? Um, and last but not least, packaging. These are all things that we might want to consider. Um, and in my view, there's no brand that's doing this all perfectly. Um, but these are just things to, to think about when we're looking into, com into companies. Um, in terms of the bathroom, I've got loads of resources in here for you to have a look at. I'm not going to talk about all of them, uh, but these are some great alternatives, um, kind of plastic free alternatives and zero waste options here. Uh, I've tried them all, <laughs> so uh, they have been tried and tested. Um, the two I really wanted to call out were period products um, and some of the refills in, in makeup. So. The Moon Cup um, is a really great alternative to tampons and, and sanitary pads. There's obviously also reusable sanitary pads available. Um, and these Wooker pants, um, I think you pronounce them, are the most comfiest period pants you can wear. And they are rewashable, so reusable. Um, and the only other one here that I wanted to call out was just the slapstick from Lush. This is actually a plastic-free foundation. Um, so it comes in cardboard and you just uh, use your makeup brush to, to put it on. Really, really recommend those ones. And there's some other ones here just for, for refill options. And again, the links are in the, in the uh, deck that you'll receive. Um, and then just the last kind of room of the house, if you like, is the kitchen. Um, so uh, plastic in your tea bags has had a lot of press this year as well. Uh, so a wonderful alternative to this is, um, you know, there are some great brands like Pucker Tea, for example, and um, some others that are doing uh, compostable tea bags. But uh, even better than that, I would say, is loose tea. And I've in even included a, a link to a particular tea strainer that I love to use. You literally just twist the handle, scoop up your loose tea and pop it into your tea, um, into your teacup and um, you're ready to go. 
Um, the other aspect within the kitchen that I'd really recommend you having a look at is to see if you have a local zero waste sh uh, shop. Um, so they're lovely community um, places um, and you can go and stock up on um, grains, uh, pasta, nuts, um, you name it, and you take your own uh, containers and can uh, refill essentially. Um, so there's some good uh, options online there. Last but not least, uh, what I wanted to just talk to you about was cloth nappies. Um, so as I mentioned, I'm a, a host for the local trial kit. And um, it was great in the survey to see that uh, I think it was about a third of people that answered had seen cloth nappies being used by parents. Some of them had been asked, you know, uh, for the details. Um, and some of you had also seen live demos, which is fantastic because um, I'm really passionate about this area. And I think this is one of the biggest areas that uh, we can help uh, families to to make a, a more reduce their impact on the environment. And I'll talk you through just very briefly about some of those areas. Um, so uh, out of the respondents, there were some of you that were already using cloth nappies, which is wonderful. And some of you that had used them more recently or maybe years ago when you were bringing up your children. So they've come on a long way. Um, they are now, <laughs> have a model here, very cute prints and really very, very reliable. Um, so I've included a visual here and there's some guides and further references in the, um, in the details for you to have a look at, some videos on how to fit them and things like that. So I won't cover that now, uh, but ultimately there's a waterproof part and an absorbent part. Um, that's very top line and you can see there's some different um, types here, but I will just say that for the moment. <laughs> Um, and then what I really wanted to get on to is the comparison between the disposables and the reusables. Um, I'm not going to read through all of this here, but the key points um, and the key reasons for parents choosing this, um, it's not just the environmental aspect. Um, that is a big factor for many, but the other factor is actually cost. So if you look at the first line here, the estimates um, that I have been given are on average, you can save um, by using cloth nappies about £1,200 per year that your child is in um, cloth nappies compared to disposables. Um, obviously, there's an initial setup cost, um, but you can actually get that, get that back when you resell them on afterwards. And there's a big pre-loved community for cloth nappies. So that's a real area that parents, um, you know, often choose cloth nappies for. Um, the other side is more of the kind of natural fabrics and the, you know, no chemicals in the cloth nappies, which is a great uh, side. And then as we've mentioned, it's the environmental aspect. So disposables can take up to 500 years to break down with like a lot of plastic items can. Um, they also uh, you rely on um, production of the, well, use of the crude oil, um, and a huge amount of water to be um, to actually be produced. So again, I've included resources there for you to read further about that. Um, but top line, the disposables often end up in landfill um, and the cloth nappies are um, reusable for not just one child, but more. Um, so they don't suit all families. Um, I absolutely appreciate that. And you often will find families that do it part-time, they might just do it when um, they're at home, uh, not do it when they're traveling. So it's really adaptable and it just depends on the family, but I think it's, it's great to help boost awareness that this is an alternative. Um, the, I've included some details on how families can get started as well. There's some great government um, incentive schemes 
um, for the families themselves. Um, there's a great link from a company called the Nappy Gurus, which literally lists in the UK by council what is available. So often you will have either a trial kit, like I talked about already, which would be um, a, a range of different nappies and sizes and brands for the parents to try for free for two weeks or four weeks. They return the kit afterwards um, and, and that's it. Uh, but it's a good tester for them. Um, or there would be a voucher scheme in place, uh, which can range from 25, I think I've seen up to maybe 80 pounds. The parents can take that voucher and spend it online to buy new nappies with one of, uh, one of the retailers. Um, and the, that's included in the Scottish Baby Box, which launched, I think, maybe earlier this year or last year. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so it's, there's also a link on my website as well uh, with some other tips about how to get started. Um, I've included also just some top line details on washing, but um, I won't go through that now because it's quite straightforward <laughs> and I'm conscious of time. But if anyone's got any questions, please just let me know. I'm, I'm happy to help. Um, and then just to finish up, really, my top tips um, in, you know, dealing with sustainability. I think, you know, these are my learnings. Uh, it's, uh, you know, Rome definitely was not built in a day. And, you know, it's the same applies for your sustainability journey. Um, don't try and take too much on in one go. Just do it step by step. I was given some great words of wisdom that, you know, maybe pick a room in the house to tackle first, or maybe it's just one thing like, you know, reducing your plastic and then building up from there. Um, I think it's easier to deal with that way. Um, and a couple of the other areas, you know, be kind to yourself and to others. We're all at very different stages in our journeys. And I think we'll get even further if we act together as a team, asking each other for support. Um, and I think this leads in really nicely to, you know, what can be done in the workplace as well, because there's so many different passionate people um, that it's only when you start up the conversation, you realize just how many people are around you that are passionate about the topic, uh, like everyone that's on the on the call today. So um, I think just get stuck in, just go for it. And, um, you know, uh, it, it's a never ending journey. Just continue to learn. Um, and I've included some other thought starters that you can have a, a read through and just um, other areas to cover. But that was it. <laughs> I hope I was OK for time. <laughs> yeah, you're good. You're good for time. You're good for time, Ashley. Good. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was really that was really useful. That very gosh, I feel quite as though we've galloped around around the house round about the house and I love the hierarchy of buying things that was really yeah really useful thing to have because I think it's very tempting we're so used to if you want something now our society you can just go and buy it and and it's almost like it's better to buy than than you know mend something so you have um I, I actually found myself darning somebody's um, sweater and it was quite tricky, but once I'd done it, it's still going quite strong. And it's, it's quite, it's very positive because those skills are very, well, they're very positive. It means you don't have to throw away a favorite sweater, for example. Yeah, you get the satisfaction from doing yeah, it. And I think absolutely. some of the skills we've just lost sadly over time. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely I can give advice on how to darn using a, a little mushroom mending mushroom the other the other thing I, I oh, think perfect. <laughs> the other thing I, I I kind of I've I've used is um using a loofah sponge because I was finding the washing up I'm going into your kitchen now and um, we were having these little spongy things and very cheap 
very cheap, very efficient. Yeah. But actually, they're nylon. So I started using exactly. a loofah. Uh, you know, it, it came in, it looked just like a little wash pad that big. And it looks like a squished down loofah and it puffs up once you get it a bit wet. And it's so much better than a sponge. It cleans things much better. Yeah. And when you when it starts falling apart, you just pop it in the compost thing. So that's another. Yeah, that's what we've got as well. They're brilliant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and if you're very clever, you can grow a loofah and turn it in a washing sponge. But I have to say it's trickier than it looks. And they're quite cheap <laughs> anyway. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you so much, Ashley, for, for getting us started Wonderful. on that. You're very welcome. And we'll wait for any questions. Yeah. Remember, those of you watching, if you've got any little questions, there's time at the end of the session for some questions. So pop, pop them down on the live feed. While this event is free on Facebook Live, on demand afterwards, and as a podcast, it's not free to produce. You can support the Maternity and Midwifery Hour on Patreon now. You can sign up as a loyal supporter for as little as £3 a month or a little more to get content early and receive bonus content. Go to www.patreon.com forward slash midwiferyhour and give what you can afford. Your support is greatly appreciated. So next we have Lorna Davis, Dr. Lorna Davis. She's academic manager and associate head of midwifery all the way from New Zealand. So for Lorna, this is first thing in the morning. So thank you so much, Lorna, for getting up early so you could join us. She's been working in midwifery education for over two decades and for the last 15 years in Christchurch in New Zealand. She's currently employed as an academic manager She's a researcher, she's an author, and she's published extensively in journals. Uh, she's done chapters in books and um, also some books herself. And her PhD explored midwives' understanding and attitudes towards sustainability and midwifery practice. A slightly different perspective to Ashley, but the same at the heart. And her research interests are sustainability in healthcare, self-care, education and workforce issues. She's, and I don't know how you managed to fit all this in, really, Lorna. She's married with three adult children and a granddaughter. And welcome this, this morning for you, but this evening for us. And thank you very much for coming to speak to us. The screen is now yours, Lorna. I better unmute myself, hadn't I? Thank you, Sue, for that <laughs> introduction. So, yeah, it's a beautiful, glorious day here in New Zealand. And... Uh, yeah, it's spring. <laughs> well, it's early summer now, actually. It's December the 1st yesterday. Oh. So I'm going to carry on. Thank you, Ashley, because um, some of the things that you introduced um, kind of lead beautifully into the discussion around um, midwifery, specifically um, plastics and waste. And interestingly, um, it resonated because I became interested in environmental issues. We didn't have sustainability back then in the 1980s um, when I had two very small children and I read an article in The Guardian by Jeremy Seabrook about the world that we were leaving for our children. And I sat up and thought, oh my goodness, we have to do something. 
Um, sadly, I think things have got better, uh, got worse rather than better in many ways, but there is a raising of consciousness happening at the moment, particularly that gives me hope for the future. And having a granddaughter, I'm now in that second generation of concern about what we're doing for our kids. And I think in terms of midwifery, it's, it's quite a good point to kind of recognize that in many ways, um, pregnancy is a time when women and their partners become more aware of issues relating to um, climate change and climate um, emergency, as I said, um, our prime minister announced yesterday. It's happening in a lot of other countries as well. So, it's there again. I'm a bit obsessed um, with Jacinda Ardern, as you can say, but I'm, I'm just very chuffed about that. Yep. And also um, the UN Secretary General uh, yesterday made, I'm talking about yesterday because I'm in Thursday morning now, of course, um, probably the strongest he's ever made about humanity waging war on nature. Um, you know, that's a fairly strong statement. And, you know, we haven't got a lot of time to really get our act together and start to make a huge difference. And COVID has kind of got in the way you know, um, wherever you, I mean, to a degree, wherever you turn, you're still seeing stuff on um, climate warming. Um, but, you know, COVID has kind of taken, although there are parallels and there's a fairly compelling argument um, for COVID being almost part of the um, package as far as climate um, management is concerned. Um, the photograph there is the school strikes, which took place in New Zealand as they did in many other parts of the world earlier in the year, led by Greta Thunberg, of course. In terms of health, I'm not gonna talk um, very much about health generally. Um, it's an interested, um, it's an area that I am very interested in, but I want to focus on um, maternity and midwifery. Um, but we know that 8 million tons of plastic end up in oceans every year. Very depressing photographs of um, wildlife who've um, you know, got caught up in a plastic bottle um, tops and that kind of thing. And 25% of the waste generated by a hospital is plastic. Um, Gibbons has published a really interesting study um, where a single hysterectomy found that the procedure can produce up to 20 pounds of waste, most of which is plastic. And, you know, waste in health is a big problem that's being addressed on lots of levels. So how do we address it? Um, I just want to kind of give you a little bit of um, information about my involvement as an educator in midwifery and how we've gone about trying to um, make a difference, raise consciousness and hopefully send people out into practice from a Bachelor of Midwifery program with an eye on some of the issues relating to this subject. Um, and uh, because I've had a long-term um, interest in environmentalism, uh, when we were uh, asked or mandated to uh, produce a new program that had a component of sustainability in it about 10 years ago now, I was very excited. And um, I went off to see what I could include in some courses that we were going to use within the program and found there was very, very little that related to midwifery. Um, there was such a dearth, it was untrue. And I thought this is really interesting because if we don't have a focus, 
as a collective profession group of group of professionals, then how can we actually address it and take action and move forward? Um, and so started producing materials and this escalated into um, a bigger interest in the area. Uh, with a couple of colleagues, we um, produced a book, Sustainability, Midwifery and Birth, more because there was nothing else out there. And what was really interesting, we, when we approached people um, to write chapters, um, there was a universal acceptance. People were really interested. They thought there wasn't enough about it. And we've just um, done our second edition that's just been released a few months ago. So I'm just going to talk, it's a thread throughout the program. So um, there's a consciousness about sustainability, whether it's in um, breastfeeding or um, care of the newborn, but we do have two specific courses that um, are very, very focused on sustainability. So in year one, it's an introduction to sustainability and environmentalism is a very strong focus on there. I made a mistake actually initially when we launched it, I had a, a focus on um, you know, what climate change was gonna do if we weren't careful. I was showing things like The Age of Stupid, which is quite a scary film, fictional, but with a lot of fact built into it, a uh, bit of a docu docudrama really. And um, I was actually alienating the students. I was terrifying them. They were going home in tears. So I thought we've got to address this. So we moved to a more values-based approach using the work of Nikki Hare, who's a positive psychologist and um, her details are on the resource list that I've provided. Um, and that's made a big, big difference because it's got the buy-in that we needed to really get students to engage with the issues. So um, that's been a real success. Um, they look at sustainable healthcare generally, and there are lots of organizations around the world, and, you know, from the Sustainable Development Unit in the UK, there's, um, Han, uh, I can't remember the name of the American one now, it's gone out of my head. We've got Orateo here in New Zealand, there is an Australian group. So there's lots of groups out there, lots of good things happening and sustainability in the childbearing period, where we cover all of the issues relating to um, environmentalism, social sustainability, economic, et cetera. And in year three, it's more about setting up a sustainable um, practice. A lot of our midwives here go into independent practice when they qualify or self-employed practice. Um, those in, that go into the hospital, um, we get them to think about resource management as well. So the assignments are uh, in year one, and uh, Ashley talked about life cycle. Uh, we get the, the students to actually in groups, take a subject that's directly related to midwifery, and that can be anything. It can be, um, it could be disposable um, versus reusable nappies. Uh, formula is something that they often will look at. It could be chocolate because midwives look, look like chocolate uh, or coffee. And so they, they look at it from the moment of extraction of the raw products through to manufacturing, through to um, distribution and it involving packaging, et cetera, the use and the end of life disposal. And you know, sometimes it's cradle to cradle because hopefully there is a, a product at the end that can be recycled or reused. And that is a huge um, kind of wake up call 
for them and they find it really, really useful. And I'll show you some of the net result of that in a moment. And in year three, they present a proposal for a sustainable midwifery practice, which includes consideration of resource management. So what are we using? Why are we using it? Could we use something that had more um, value in terms of reuse, recycle, et cetera? Or, um, you know, are we really stuck with this product at the moment? Okay, so I've just got, I'm not gonna read the quotes. Um, I did a wee research project where I interviewed um, new graduates who'd been out in practice for a year and they'd actually um, been uh, exposed to this intervention, I guess you'd call it within the program. Um, so you can see Lydia did it on paper towels and she's always thinking when she pulls the paper towels back to that life cycle. So this is a year on, in fact, it's three years on because she did that life cycle in year one, but there's a resonance there. Um, you know, yellow bags. I don't, don't know whether they're still doing this anymore, not with them. We don't have that much um, air um, traffic anymore, but flying yellow bags and not putting stuff in if you don't have to. So not using as much as a result of the fact that it's got to be dealt with at the source of disposal. Um, putting her own keris, putting her own um, information folders um, that she asked women to return rather than just give out um, lots of paper all the time. And I know a lot of people are now doing online um, resources as well. Um, in terms of, um, you know, their carbon footprint, thinking about what they do in terms of traveling to appointments. And these two here, it's a midwife and a student midwife who were cycling around the city. They had a, a locally based um, practice with women within a few kilometers and they cycled to appointments, not necessarily to births, but, you know, it's uh, every little helps. Uh, these were hospital midwives who talked about um, the life cycle analysis. And I, I love Amy's response that she said, I find that if I keep the rooms understocked, then people don't use as much. If you put too much out, they'll just keep helping themselves. And Andrea, who felt like the anti-crisis of sustainability, um, trying to get um, nipple shields not to be single use, so there's less waste. So. It's, it's there, they're really, really thinking about it. And um, there's a single um, latex glove there um, instead of just using a, a pack of two for vaginal examinations, just use one. One of the students below us did hers on the obstetric gel and she found it wasn't a very nice product. So I always use aloe vera gel and um, there was a little group of them who were making their own gel as well, which is absolutely fantastic. So I think we can honestly say, I'll just flick it back for a moment, that, you know, it's a small study, but what it did was, um, you know, generate hope that we were actually making a difference and they were coming out of the program with an eye on the whole issue of waste in practice and how they could actually do something to minimize that. I've done some other um, stuff more recently, um, but not quite the same. I'm not going to go into that because I really wanted to focus on um, resource management today. Um, as um, you know, COVID, I've already said, um, it has been a major problem because 
Um, it's, you know, one step forward, two steps back in some ways because of the increase um, in need for um, one use products. Um, I think we really need to think about how we're addressing that and learn some lessons from this as well. Um, we've dodged a bullet in New Zealand. We really haven't had the problems, but I know it's a major problem and I'm seeing photographs um, in the media of um, masks, you know, being washed up um, on beaches in droves and it's not a pretty sight. Um, but claims um, have, and uh, I can't remember where they're from actually, I think it might, it's European anyway. They've done some work around this. And I think the disruption of COVID-19 pandemic can lead to large and persistent changes in economic structures. In a sense, the outbreak presents a rare chance to shift modern product systems towards a more sustainable future tra trajectory. And I think we need to remember that, you know, there is always an upside to every downside. It might seem very frustrating, but let's actually move forward and do something with this. And um, I love this photograph. A lot of the photographs on here are mine. And this was a wonderful um, heads in the sand protest um, locally here in New Zealand where everybody put their butts in the air and their heads in the sand just to make the point. And I think this is a fabulous book by Washington and Cook. Humans have always used denial when we're afraid, guilty, confused, or when something interferes with our self-image. We tend to deny it, yet denial is a delusion. When it impacts on the health of oneself or society or the world, it becomes a pathology. Climate change denial is such a case. And it's here, it's not gonna go away. We have to take action. And I think we can do that. And I think we can do it particularly well if we manage it at a collective level and our own professional field is a really good place to start. Um, there is some fantastic um, research out there that demonstrates that, you know, if it's our own sphere of practice, we're more protective about it. You know, we're working with women and families. We can provide wonderful leadership and role modeling to encourage them. As Ashley said, the introduction of cloth versus disposable nappy, simple start, but they're sponges, they're interested, they want to do the best for their, their children, they don't want their kids to inherit a burnt out earth, and we have a huge role to play in that, so I would say let's stop being ostriches, let's get our head out of the sands, let's take some responsibility, and I know we already are um, to some extent, I think we can do a lot more and by working together, we can achieve some really significant change. So, thank you. Thank you, Lorna. That was fantastic. <laughs> and I love some of your images, especially the ostrich. I know, it's great, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Apart from I noticed the dog hasn't got his head in the sand. No, he hasn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> maybe, we, maybe we should learn something from that, shouldn't we? Crikey. <laughs> Now, that's absolutely fabulous. I think we've had two fantastic speakers and we do have a few comments. I've had a comment from Sarah Smith. Hi, Sarah, who says, I love you have sustainability module in your degree. I really would love there to be more about sustainability in our everyday work. 
Now that and that's a comment more than a, a question, but it, it, yeah. it sort of gets the question ticking over in your mind how you can get it in. And I think it what's come from both of you is that it's down to each of us to kind of start raising it and thinking about it and talking about it. Um, there's also another comment which I think is good. Um, and I don't know who it's from, but it's a, a good one because it's something a bit like Lorna said earlier. I just wanted to offer a summary phase phrase I've been using for a long time. Where did this come from? Where will it go after I'm done with it? It's a phrase that really works when discussing these issues with children. I think that's a really good comment. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Whoever that was. Thank you. Good one. Um, now I've got Jenny Hall. Hi, Jenny who is saying to someone who is in poverty, and that's a big issue at the moment, there's been some really very um, up, sad images of people who are in real trouble at the moment. So we have to be, be very aware of that. To someone who's in poverty, trying to get reusable nappies is difficult as they have no ability to get the information about reusables and end up relying on cheap disposables from supermarkets. Also, mm, yeah. and this is a good point, washing, etc., is difficult. What can midwives do to try to encourage councils and trusts, hospital trusts, to provide reusable nappies or nappy washing service to, services to help these women? Mm. Well, who would like to take that yeah. one first? Ashley? <laughs> Yeah, of course. No, this is absolutely um, such a, a valid point. And um, there is a, an organisation called the Nappy Alliance that I'm also trying to, um, well, I am working with um, and on this area uh, to engage those that don't have, um, you know, as higher incomes to be able to afford them. Because typically what we are seeing um, is that uh, the the audience of the cloth nappies is unfortunately for the moment the kind of typical white middle class families and what I'm trying to do with the nappy alliance is expand that out so it's all demographics and particularly because of the cost savings in the longer term look at how we the companies that are selling the nappies can actually help that mm. so the first kind of tip would be that the families could opt for buying you know, secondhand pre-loved. I mean, I got all of my nappies <laughs> pre-loved. Some of them are in impeccable condition. Uh, in fact, all of them are, some were even brand new. So that is always an option. But I think the main problem going back a step is the communication and the awareness. People just don't know that it's an alternative. I mean, I found out uh, from literally a chapter in a book, which is probably the most, the old, oldest way to find out information these days, you know, and I think that's where, um, you know, within midwifery, to be able to have the conversation uh, with the families, it's not enforcing it at all, because I think, like I said earlier, it's not for everybody, and they're set up you know, different families work in very different ways. So I think it's just a conversation about it being an option. But lots of families that might not go into cloth nappies, another area which I didn't speak about was actually reusable wipes, because the wipes, the wet wipes, they also take between 200, I think, to 500 years to break down. So even swapping them out um, is a massive, diff can make a massive difference. And families, you know, I've just got some here. There's a link in the presentation to a brand called Cheeky Wipes. I mean, they're literally flannels. So even if the parents can't buy cheeky wipes, you could cut up old towels um, and um, 
or, uh, or or cheap flannels. So that's affordable. And that, again, from a cost saving point of view, could save them around a thousand pounds a year for using reusable wipes. And they just go in the washing machine. And obviously they don't take up as much room um, hanging out nappies as, as a wipe, mm. but that would still make a big impact. Mm. So um, it's still kind of nice. Those tips help. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's, and I, I love those little cheeky yacht wipes and they look good cosmetic ones as well. But I guess it comes back yeah. to the washing. And I guess, I'm, I mean, I'm envisaging that you could have a group, a laundrette, which had a session, a free session once a week. Yeah, that women could absolutely. Go to, um, because that, and that would actually, could actually work well at women getting together as well, because social isolation yeah, is a big I thing. Yeah, I think you're right. It? Can I say something yeah, and about? I think you know. One... Sorry, sorry, Ashley. Go cut in front. No, no, go. Cut, cut, cut no, no, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, actually, um, in the hospital setting as well. And Jenny, you might even remember the days when we were actually using reusable nappies um, in maternity. Okay. Um, and <laughs> there has been a reintroduction in some of the hospitals here in New Zealand. Um, they are also using um, reusable inco pads as well in some units. So it is starting to happen. But the major problem is that we kind of disestablished a lot of laundry services because of the whole um, move into the marketplace and increased competition within healthcare. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the kind of the whole ideological framework, it's systemic at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, what we're doing is kind of... Um, yeah, we're doing something really useful and we're raising consciousness, but we need, you know, big changes societally for real change to take yeah. effect. But, you know, it's that Margaret Mead thing, you know, anyone, um, you know, I can't remember the actual quote, but around uh, it, never believe that a small group of people can't change the world. It's the only thing that ever has. And I think, you know, again, um, midwifery has the opportunity to be a real um cheerleader and take things forward in terms of reducing carbon within the healthcare yeah. sphere absolutely yeah. and and i guess we're, as midwives we are opinion leaders and, and women will ask us for information so it's not putting our values on people but giving them the choices and information which they might not know about because if you've only ever seen reusable nappies or actually i mean if you're yeah. for older people and you using inco pads for example yeah the reusable ones are fabulous i mean you know mm. so mm. thank you that's fabulous i'm gonna i'm gonna move us on um because i've got and while i'm looking over here is my other screen has got the questions on <laughs> uh, so jenny's sorted out we've got a, a comment um from sarah again sarah smith uh, i didn't qualify for nappy vouchers but they would have been useful I was lucky to know where to buy washable pre-loved nappies. I love this phrase, pre-loved. It sounds lovely. Mm. <laughs> it's it, nice it, is, <laughs> it is hard for families to find the information when they don't know where to start. How can we share, help share this information more widely? And there's a, there's a kind of linked, actually, there's a link comment from Chris Warren saying a local woman started a washable nappy service close to me when my daughter was six months old it was great I hardly ever needed to wash nappies again well that sounds good doesn't it that sounds even better yeah. but um yeah so how that's again getting information to women isn't it about the choices they have 
Okay. Uh, it is. And there's um, there's nappy libraries as well that operate up and down uh, the UK as well. So uh, where they can, it's another um, way to to test and to trial and to speak to someone just just like you can with the you have with the sling libraries as well. Um, it's it's the equivalent of that. So um, yeah, it's just fabulous. getting the information out there. I think driving the education as much as we can. So, you know, everyone can understand it and then starting those conversations. And it's maybe community, isn't it? Yeah. It's creating communities. It really. is. Yeah. 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 Putting and women in touch with each good. other. And maybe yeah. that way of reducing, I mean, it's quite interesting that some of the words that you use like pre-loved and toy library, nappy, nappy library. Yeah. And it might yeah. take away <laughs> the stigma of having something secondhand. Because, of course, for some people, having yeah. a second-hand thing, they want the best for their babies and their children. So Absolutely. And I think that's... It is that. And I think that's kind of where I started when I was thinking, you know, with our first with my little boy, I thought I needed everything brand spanking new because that's just how you did it. And then actually, the more we looked into it, it was like, well, not only is it an environmental impact that you can have by buying secondhand or pre-loved um but the cost savings as well I mean there's so much costs isn't there <laughs> involved having a having a child that I think for all families can benefit from that and and half the time you might be finding something which is actually pretty much brand new anyway uh whether it's you know nappies or uh, there's also a company that's uh uh, doing renting um, buggies now, <laughs> buggies and prams. Uh, so there's some really interesting innovative businesses out there. Um, but uh, I think, and the community aspect I just wanted to touch on as well, because um, there's a huge community on Facebook for for cloth nappies. And okay. I've seen some really touching stories. Um, so I've included one in, in the slides, the UK cloth nappy. Um, and you know, one scenario that we spoke about earlier, you know, not having, um, you know, coming from a, an impoverished background, not having the funds available. There was one mum that posted on there saying, you know, my husband's just been laid off. I'm not working. Um, you know, we're struggling to meet ends, you know, uh, make ends meet, but I would still like to test them out. Any, any advice? And within about half an hour, she had about, <laughs> I don't know how many comments of people saying, I've got nappies, I'll send them to you. And it was just so, it was so lovely to see that. So the community that is there, we're all, you know, very much ambassadors and trying to spread the word and we just want to help people. So I think there's lots of people that, um, you know, uh, are in that space willing to help, whether it's advice or giving nappies, um, which is lovely, really lovely to see. And we're back to the community bit again. Which is yeah, and you I want think to say something, have, Lorna? Yeah, I think we have to get away from the um, second hand is second rate myth as well and yeah. it's perpetuated by the industry the baby products industry have a huge vested interest in actually making sure that everybody goes, goes out and buys new stuff all the time yeah. and and again I think you know we have to um engage in discussion around that in terms of you know hand-me-downs are something that we've done for millennia you know and yeah. you don't have to have the bright shiny stuff that sells the message that you know to be a good parent you have to have the best and the most um contemporary of everything so yeah and there's a lot of work to be done yeah, yeah. that's fabulous thank you I, and yeah. i think it moves us away from that idea of consumerism doesn't it consumerism yeah. to yes. more of experience it so what's how much stuff do we really need 
and actually yeah. isn't it more about spending time together that's a, that that's a really good i mean i think what's coming out of here is very much community and valuing things that mm. that exist already and maybe going back a little bit to the good things of recycling yeah. and, and having having a hand-me-downs or second hand or whatever i've got I, yeah. i'll just try and get one more question um from deborah my question is how do you get your manager to make changes to move to a more sustainable model when when you face when you face the economic excuse are there any yeah. resources which demonstrate the economic argument of moving towards sustainability and i bet lorna knows one <laughs> yeah there are there absolutely are and it is hard when you you're faced with a brick wall and there is a lot of denial as we've already said out there and i think that's fear-based so i think it's taking the fear out actually from an economic um perspective there's no argument that sustain you know working sustainably is 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 cheaper um somebody like um kate Rawworth who wrote Donut Economics um, presents a really compelling case for that. So um, perhaps introducing your manager to Kate Raworth. But the um, Sustainable <laughs> Development Unit have got heaps of information around you know, economics. Environmental um, consideration leads to economic savings in any area in the long run. There might be some, some transitional issues, but you know, it's it's speculating um, really to um, achieve cost savings and, and changes that are for the good of everybody. So, and actually I think um, developing groups, we've got a local group in Christchurch here and it's um, interprofessional. We have um, doctors, speech therapists, physiotherapists, midwives, nurses, and we all get together um, a couple of times a year. And we share experiences from practice. We have a national um, conference here and, you know, just generating that kind of interest, um, you start to bring people on board. But um, the economic arguments are sometimes difficult, but perhaps not as difficult as we perceive. But we can get there. That's great. I have to say I could listen to, to you two and we've we've still got questions coming in. So just to say to anyone who's put a question up, we'll try and answer these as they're coming through. And thank you so much for putting in your questions and comments also, because some of them, they've been fantastic and it shows that people are really cued into this. I have to bring it to an end and I'm really sad, but thank you so much to Lorna and Ashley for joining us this evening and really giving us that perspective on sustainability that we need to be able to share with our colleagues. So thank you so much. There's resources that will be available on the website and on the Facebook on Friday. Also, next week, we'll be looking at long COVID and we have Dr. Claire Rayner, specialist in occupational health, and Elaine Hanzak, author on perinatal mental illness, who are both going to be talking about the experience of long COVID, which is in the news. Don't forget, 13th of January is 2021's London online festival. So please book in for that. And in the meantime, thank you so much for tuning in. Look forward to seeing you some of you next week. Look after yourselves and your loved ones and have a virtual hug from all of us, a virtual sustainable hug mm -hmm. from all of us. Take care. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for the Maternity and Midwifery Hour. This podcast has been made possible by the team at Maternity and Midwifery Forum 
and our CPD partners, Matflix. You can sign up at matflix.co.uk. This episode was edited and produced by Catherine Stewart of the Narrowcast Media Group.